Welcome to episode 205 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our topic this week, we're going to take a look at the mission to Mars, which I find to be a pretty exciting uh, opportunity uh, for uh, technology, science, uh, and it recently was making some headlines, you know, related to uh, the the federal budget. So, so we'll get into that and 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 the science and technology as well. Um, so, so to give a little preamble to our discussion, uh, NASA is in the process of developing capabilities for sending astronauts to Mars in the 2030s. So, we all know that uh, for about the past 40 years. Uh, we've sent spacecraft and, and rovers uh, to the red planet to study it and to increase our knowledge about Mars, generally speaking. Uh, now NASA has their Journey to Mars uh, plan, which they made public in 2015, 2016, something like that. And there are three different stages to that plan. Uh, the first stage is called Earth Reliant, and stage two which we're approaching right now is called uh, Proving Ground, and stage three is Earth Independent, during which uh, the actual uh, manned Mars mission will occur. So uh, just to quickly cover uh, the Earth-reliant phase, which was well, the first one, which we're wrapping up, that was all about the International Space Station uh, in orbit around the Earth, and all about astronauts living on the station for extended periods of time to study how uh, low gravity environment, how living in space basically uh, affects the human body. And, and I think we saw a couple weeks ago uh, President Trump talking to uh, a, a woman astronaut who had been on the station for, I think it was about two years, which just seems incredible to me that, that someone could live in space for that long. But uh, nonetheless, that, that was uh, part of this Earth-reliant phase during which uh, the technologies are being tested, but it's still you know, close, close to the Earth. And uh, uh, we can sort of develop these, uh, these technologies in close proximity to, the, to, to our planet. So uh, w with, with that information, uh, you know, the question, I, I guess, comes up, why, why do this? Why, why go to Mars in the first place? So let's start with, with uh, an audio clip uh, we found of Buzz Aldrin uh, from an interview that he gave on the Nat Geo channel a few years ago. And uh, let's listen to that and then, and then discuss. Try to explain a little bit more about what you talk about in the book about uh, long-term permanence on Mars. Why, why would we want to do that as a country? What is it that you feel is the spark plug behind something like that? And how uh, the hard part is getting the American public to be interested in it? Uh, these are all very right. complicated questions, but uh, it's definitely... Why, why go to the moon? Yeah. It's there. Okay. Somebody's going to go there eventually. Uh, 
Let me talk a little bit about these rovers that are there, yeah. just, just for an example. Uh, there were two rovers before Curiosity, Spirit and Opportunity, opposite sides of Mars, put there about 10 years ago. Supposed to last 90 days. They were a little better than that. One of them kind of pooped out after five years, and the other one's still going. Now, the program manager for this from Burnell, works with JPL, Steve Squires said, verbally, but then put it in writing, that there are two rovers that were working for five years with one day's instructions, and then they were trying to do uh, what the one day's instructions were, but they were very conservative, because it didn't know whether it was going to tip over the hill or not. When it began to get close, the instructions said, stop, don't do anything, we'll figure it out. Well, this is pretty slow activities. So slow that he said, what these two rovers have done in five years could have been done in one week if we had human intelligence in orbit around Mars. So, Dirk, after hearing what astronaut Buzz Aldrin had to say uh, in that in that uh, Nat Geo interview, uh, you know what 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 are your takeaways from that? Why do you think we should or, or shouldn't go to Mars in the somewhat near future? Well, Buzz's first justification is somebody's going to go there eventually, which to me seems like a really silly reason to pick uh, for it to be us and for it to be now, right? The fact that someone will eventually do it doesn't seem like a great, uh, compelling compelling reason to do so. But, you know, when, when we talk about Mars, when, 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 when the media covers Mars, it's, it's in vague terms, but it's in vague terms that imply, to me at least as a reader, that imply – um, human colonies that imply um, human extended human life on Mars that uh, you know colonizing Mars the Mars project these things aren't about science projects these things are about the first steps um, uh, to extending off of the planet Earth mm -hmm. and habitating other, you know, other other planets. So, I, I think the first thing that we we want to do, and that the you know what Buzz is talking about, sort of helps to frame, is that these different plans for Mars, whether it be the ideas of Buzz Aldrin, who has written on the topic extensively, whether it be NASA's plans, whether it be some other country other than the United States or some private enterprise, um, you know, these are about science projects. These are about like little, um, little space missions. They're not about colonization. They're not about, um, <laughs> being a real first step to habitating other planets. I mean, yes, of course, if we end up habitating other planets hundreds or thousands of years from now, from now, um, perhaps the things that are happening here on Mars will be seen as one of the steps on the breadcrumb trail back. But, um, these are not sexy missions. Like they're interesting. They're potentially beneficial, but they're not, they're not maybe what we think about when we hear some famous person says, we're going to be on Mars in 20 years. Or we're going to be on Mars in 50 years. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot more humble than that. Yeah. So, so with that thought, let's uh, turn then to uh, we have a clip here of Elon Musk talking about 
uh, SpaceX's uh, future Mars rocket ship. And, and, um, and I think this is really something that appeals to anybody with, uh, with an exploratory spirit. Um, if, 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 you, if, if you're an explorer, if you, if you want to be on the frontier and, and push the envelope um, and, and you know, be where, where things are super exciting, even if it's dangerous, that's, I mean, that's really who we're appealing to here. Um, and uh, but I think anything that anyone here could do uh, in that direction would, would, would be great. Um, getting people excited about going, um, getting the public behind this. Um, and, 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 and the truth is, like, right now on Earth, you can basically go anywhere in 24 hours. I mean, anywhere. Um, you, go, you can get, you can go, you can fly over the uh, Antarctic Pole and parachute out 24 hours from now if you want. Um, you can get, um, you can, you can get parachuted to the top of Mount Everest um, from the right plane. Um, and the, you can go to the bottom of the ocean. Um, Earth, Earth, from a physical standpoint, you can go anywhere, anywhere. Um, so there, there is no real physical frontier on Earth anymore, but space is, is that frontier. Um, and so I think it's going to appeal to anyone with that, with that exploratory spirit. Thank you very much. So, so what I get from uh, Elon Musk's um, uh, little impromptu speech there is, is, you know, embedded in that, you know, despite the fact that, you know, it, it's mostly these, uh, you know, vague, uh, some, some vague general, generalities about exploration. I, I do get you know, from him, this this desire to solve what he sees as some some larger challenges or problems, or uh, however you want to frame it, for for humanity. And I think you said earlier, Dirk, the you know the idea that 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 humanity could be multiplanetary, could be uh, you know expanding further into the universe. Like I I see that in in uh, Elon Musk's vision, even if that's not uh, sort of the immediate steps that, that are in, in front of us, the, the unsexy sort of step-by-step -step, uh, necessities uh, for, for getting from here to Mars. What, what did you take from, from the audio clip of, of Elon Musk? And I thought it was nonsense. I mean, it's a lot of big picture hand waving with 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 no meat on the bone. I mean, look, you know, you have the Prometheus myth, um, you know, t over 2000 years ago. Um, you know, yeah, robots then come a lot later. AI comes a lot later, thousands of years later. Um, you know, that doesn't that doesn't um, justify or validate the Prometheus myth as the harbinger of um, artificial intelligence or robotics. It's it's sort of a a, a, a fiction hand waving thought experiment, and then a lot later, for reasons disconnected from the myth, things happen that start to resemble it. I mean, what Elon Musk is doing is akin to the Prometheus myth, where yeah, I mean, it sounds great. He's he's trying to sound inspiring and talking about frontiers and pioneers. And, oh my God, we all want to be that, you know. Uh, God help us if we don't sign up for that. 
but there there's there's no meat on the bone i mean we we live on planet earth that we're despite the fact that we're screwing it up in some ways even if you take the worst possible um uh, uh, estimates of where climate change is going to go it still is orders of magnitude more habitable than mars or than any other planet that that we can realistically get to in hundreds or thousands of years. So why on earth, no pun intended, are we uh, uh, acting like going to to Mars to um, have somebody go down and plant a flag or have some rovers running around with smarter human intelligence to get science, um, science data, which I'm sure is helpful and interesting, why that is like, you know, the giant visionary um, wonderful thing that we should be all hanging our hats on. I mean, you know, we continue to have gross inequality in, in the world. We continue to have war and genocide and uh, a, a whole litany of negatives on our own planet, a planet that is designed to, um, to continue our lives, to be friendly to humans. Mars isn't friendly to humans. There, are, there isn't another planet that we can identify and confidently say is friendly to humans. So like this, to, to me, the whole thing is, is rubbish. It's total rubbish. Sure, there's some scientific value to going to Mars. Sure, you know, if we have somebody land on another planet, like, Okay, I mean that's a meaningful milestone. It's something interesting that that probably should be happening in the world. But to act like that trip, that goal is this great giant visionary awesome thing, it just isn't. I mean, you know, science fiction writers have talked about going to Mars and living on Mars and for for a long time. I mean, Elon Musk talking about it just because he can get a rock, he can make a rocket that can go there. A lot of people have the technology now to do that. I just don't get it, John. I don't. It feels like a, a con game that the the media, the people like uh, Buzz and Elon and, and all of these other you know people who would fashion themselves as space pioneers, are are acting like there's this incredible, amazing future that they're going to bring into being, and it just it just isn't true. Yeah, I, I am not nearly as as uh skeptical of of the uh uh sort of the mars mission technology development uh just because i think it's a good um a good pointer for technological and scientific development um i i will say some of the uh interesting uh, related news lately has actually been about some of the very mundane but practical realities of, uh, you know, uh, executing such a mission, uh, which is in, in particular, um, you know, the uh, uh, delay sort of, of of technology that would that would be required to uh, uh, launch the next phase uh in, in the Mars mission, which, um, of course, you and I are very familiar with uh, all the problems that can come along with software development. And wouldn't you know it, um, there's an awful lot of software that needs to go into creating um, uh, this this next stage for the Mars mission. So NASA just recently announced that they're, they're not sure if, if the software validation part is going to... Uh, um, be ready for phase two in the in the timeline they 
uh, they thought it would be. Not to mention that uh, the price tag as of 2018 is going to be uh, pretty substantial, uh, $23 billion for this uh, as of, you know, as of fiscal 2018. Um, so just, just to frame it in sort of the um, cost benefit, which I, I think you touched on the, uh, the, the benefit pretty hard, but it, it also uh, is not cheap and not easy to do. Um, so, so from that perspective, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it could be a little, uh, a, a little difficult to get there if there's, if there's not the money to fund it. Uh, all that being said, I, I do think that there were all sorts of amazing technologies that came out of the, uh, uh, earlier space missions, which have been injected back into our, our economy. Um, and which have provided benefits, uh, you know, from whether it's scientific learning or, uh, you know, the uh, miniaturization or, or what have you, uh, various technologies. So I, I think there's a, a halo effect from this sort of, um, sort of giant challenge. Um, but what I'm hearing from you is that maybe the challenge is not the giant challenge that we should be focusing on in the near term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have we have a lot of problems <laughs> sure. here at home. I mean, you know, the, the climate of the planet, how we treat each other, how we treat other species. Um, you know, it's still it's still borderline barbaric. We haven't come very far, even as we've gone from from horses to the moon. Um, you know, we, we haven't progressed very much in terms of how we sustain ourselves and how we treat ourselves and nurture uh, what we already have. I mean, you know, taking taking a, a barren desolate planet and and then seeing that as as some kind of a first step to you know moving the planet you know moving our species to another planet i mean we need to figure out our species before we figure out moving it to another planet i mean i'm not against space travel don't get me wrong um and there are very well maybe scientific benefits that are meaningful in the short to medium term they're very well maybe meaningful scientific benefits that will lead to interstellar travel in ways that we can't conceive of in 2017. I, I get all of that. What I object to is, is, is the horrible prioritization of pursuing those things as sort of first order pursuits, even as we simmer away in our morass of goo here on the earth. And then additionally, you know, from the media, from folks like Elon Musk, who, who are trumpeting this as like, this is the visionary thing. This is the big deal. Um, you know, to me, look, Elon Musk wants to be a great man, right? He wants to be remembered. He's highly ambitious. And so his, his bloating of, of these activities, frontiers and pioneers and, and acting like it's the, the greatest adventure that humans will ever go on, that's about his legacy. You know, Buzz Aldrin's interest in Mars as the second man to land on the moon and one of the the the, the primary benefactors for any future additional space travel that will happen as an enhancement of his legacy, he too is grossly motivated, and I don't mean grossly in a negative sense, but but largely motivated to want the pursuit of space travel and the continue you know you know continued development of those frontiers so 
uh, you know, you have people who are well known, um, who I'm sure consciously, you know, they they're not seeing it as as being super selfish and self interested, um, but it, you know, it, it is kind of selfish and self interested, and the press the press sort of breathlessly goes with it. Because look, I mean, if you're talking about space travel and colonizing Mars, I mean, people are going to click on that link. I'm going to click on that link. You're going to click on that link. Lots of people are going to click on that link. So you have all of these parties who are shifting the focus from where it should be to where it shouldn't be and doing so in, in such a um, – in such a deceptive way, there, there's there's interesting adventures on Mars. There's a purpose. I mean, I, I would even not necessarily object to spending n billion dollars on on doing some of that stuff. I, I don't know the whole budget. I'd have to look before I could give a smart opinion. But I'm not on its face, you know, objecting to that. What I'm, you know, what I'm objecting to is we're acting, we're treating it like it's one thing when I think it's very much a different one. So, listeners, please let us know what you think of the uh, the uh, Mars mission and uh, its uh, its impact on on our future. And remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at goinvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 205 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.